Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. You guys know me. I'm Tim Ryder. Back with us. Uh, well, from now moving forward, like we said in the last episode, my buddy Taryn Sharma from Conduct Detrimental. Taryn, what's happening? How's your week going? Uh, it's going great. Uh, Mets just keep making history. <laughs> moving right along. It's, um, it's exciting. Even, you know, I think uh, even with um, Carrasco getting beat up a little bit on Wednesday, the, uh, the rotation is still absolutely sitting pretty as far as uh, statistically. And, you know, we'll get into all that. But, yeah, these Mets keep winning. Uh, as of, you know, what time is it? 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Mets are three games up in the East. They're 14 and six, which if you win 14 out of 20 through the season, that's going to be a, a, a very productive season. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you got Philly coming in this weekend and we'll get into the series that Mets just wrapped up another series victory, which is uh, six victories in a row, uh, six series wins in a row to start the season. I think that's first time. First yeah. time in franchise history. That's right. SNY pointed that out the other night. I had no idea. Um, you know what? Like 2006 felt like the Mets just won every series all year. And I don't think they did, but that's what it felt like. And uh, yeah, you know, it's probably not going to happen. But boy, these Mets are trying real hard to make it happen. Man. Yeah. And we're going to talk uh, more about Bassett quotes uh today but i really liked the one they said i'm more interested in the last six series of the year than the first six so they've got a good mindset uh coming out of this series and going into a couple big divisional series at home yeah oh yeah coming back home after the um the energy we saw in st louis should be exciting friday night should be a a a fun one but uh yeah let's let's jump into the Cardinals series and again the mets kind of showed what they were all about in this in this Series. I know that uh, Monday stood out to you as a, as a almost like a turning, not a turning point, but a, a watershed moment for this in the young season so far. What was your takeaways? Well, I mean, that was, you know, how we were saying, like, you show up at the ballpark because you never know what you're going to see. And I don't think I've ever seen five unearned, inning, uh, five unearned runs in an inning. Uh, that was an incredible game, a real testament to the fight that this team has. Um, that they're going to give it their all. They're not giving away at-bats. And we've seen that. Um, but to see it in such a crucial moment there to steal a game with the other team's closer and a good one at that on the mound, that was very, very impressive, a very good sign here in the uh, first month of the season. And uh, <laughs> just unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. And I think I, Max's start, which is you know impeccable, seven innings, uh, and strikeouts, his ERA is down to 1.8. Uh, just wonderful. Even Michaelis, who, you know, inserted his foot in his mouth pretty firmly by the end of the series. But um, he, he looked really sharp on Monday. He kept the Mets in check. And that's a, you know, a, a first, a, a top flight first class offense so far. But yeah, that that ninth inning, man, whether, you know, Canna got it started. McNeil, we'll talk about him in a little bit. He had a really nice series. And then Dami Hustle. Dami Hustle, I, that was yeah. um, I think that's going to be a, a in the reels for the rest of the season if if things keep on uh, climbing on this trajectory. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So Scherzer, fantastic throwing uh, throwing that curveball for strikes, um, and then when he got late in the game, he's uh, close to 100 pitches. He's pumping the fastball at 97, 94. 
Uh, just very impressive. He only threw nine cutters, but he had three strikeouts on those. Um, he had four pitch types that he was throwing more than 10% of the time. And basically only, you know, he allowed these two hits, but it was really just one hit. He had the, the solid hit by Goldie. Um, but otherwise it was like a dribbler that was the result of miscommunication between uh, McNeil and, and Lindor. But he, he had those and then the one walk to Edmund and he just missed on that uh, in a 3-2 in a count. So um, he comes off the mound. He's literally foaming at the mouth. He saves the bullpen again. Uh, just unbelievable. Two straight starts with 100 pitches. He's fantastic. And I can't believe that he's a Met. It's a, it's, it's a joy to be able to watch him. And I can't wait until this Sunday we'll get to watch him again. Yeah. Yeah, get another home start, and I'm sure, uh, you know, we've said it before on the show, if the Mets are playing well and everything's going smoothly, you know, you just feel the energy. It could be just a a mundane April ball game, and you feel it. And now, I guess, Sunday's a national broadcast, so that should be be exciting. Everyone should be uh, taking it up a notch. Um, But, I mean, what we've seen from Max and, you know, considering he's he's getting up there in age, but you don't you couldn't tell by his performance. He still does what a pitcher does, changes locations, changes speed so well. You mentioned it. His fastball was coming in at 94. He's also coming at 97. You know, he, he just he's got such a innate understanding of pitching and, uh, I think it's going to ripple through the entire rotation. I think we've probably already seen that start to happen. Guys are sharp. I know Hefner's, I'm sure, knee-deep in what's going on there, but um, you can almost feel the camaraderie between the group. It's, um, it's wild. It's, it's such a, you know, a country mile from where we've seen this group in recent years. Yeah, and he's the guy that's on the – he's at the – at the railing of the dugout. He's the one that's standing up for his guys. You saw uh, on, on Saturday and Sunday, we'll get to it, but uh, he's uh, a leader and he leads both by example and um, by his talk. So it must be such an, an unbelievable experience for the young guys, especially to be around that somebody who's done it at the highest level and won so much and still has the drive to want to be the best. And I think that's what you're paying all that money for. And so far it's been a tremendous investment by Steve Cohen. And he had to know that that's the type of guy that he was getting. So uh, again, just very exciting. And, and that was a great pitcher's duel. Miles um, Michaelis was fantastic. He was probably powered by that lizard that he ate during the fall league, the, the lizard. <laughs> um, that was a funny story. Yeah, he was tremendous also. So that was a great pitcher's duel. And then um, you want to talk about May? I mean, that was that was a little bit uh, of a struggle, but he, then he buckled down. Um, yeah, I think really- that's – I know we talked a little bit about May last week, just, you yeah. know, the need for consistent outings. And, and I think in a sense, it, well, at least from an outsider's perspective, it looks like he's still trying to work through his own stuff. I mean, it, the, the, the stuff itself is there. The yeah. command has been a little, you know, all over the place. He's left a couple over the plate. He's sent a couple, you know, a foot wide, a foot high. Um, I think that's going to come in time. And I know we've heard a lot of complaints about the baseball, which will kind of take us right into Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, I'm not all too concerned about me. Yeah. 
I, I, I want to focus on the good. Like he rallied then to uh, strike out Arenado and he got Dickinson, who's a professional hitter, to fly out. Um, it's a little bit of a concern that he gave up those two singles to the bottom of the order, but Bader's a pretty solid hitter. Molina's been doing it forever. Um, yeah, it, it, the, the changeup that he left over the middle to O'Neal, like O'Neal has been very good the last year and a half. So that's, uh, that's not the guy that you want to make mistakes to, but I'm hopeful that he's going to continue to improve. But like I said last week, I don't know that he's necessarily the guy that you want in the highest leverage spots, but um, I mean, eighth inning against the bottom of the order, I have no problem with Buck trusting him there. So I have no problems with the the usage there. No. Yeah. Usage wise. I mean, I, I think getting made to where he can be, um, I guess his, ceiling at this point in his career. I think he's, you know, when he's at his best, he's most certainly uh, an eighth inning guy in my mind, but um, yeah, you know, until he finds his, his rhythm, uh, I think playing it safe, especially in a close game against a good team, um, you know, you have to kind of pick your spots. Uh, and again, I, I think you made some very good points. He, he looked good at, at times during the outing, but again, you leave one over the plate and it changes the dynamic of the whole inning. So, um, you know, the Mets were, were lucky to kind of slide out of it with a, with a win. We'll slide. That was no pun intended. I swear to God, Tom <laughs> Smith's uh, slide there, but um, yeah, it's, it, you know, those are the type of victories that you kind of hang your hat on, at least as a fan base, I'm sure as a team within those clubhouse doors that, you know, there was really nothing going on and boom, you know, a couple of breaks, take advantage of them. A little bit of hustle, a little bit of heads up, and, uh, you know, other team makes a mistake, and just like that, you go home with a W. Absolutely. And and uh, this quote uh, was awesome that Ronnie gave. You know, we're so lucky that we get to uh, listen to these guys 160-whatever times a year. Uh, Did you transcribe a Ron Darling quote? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Nice work, my friend. What? Uh, yeah, so he said uh, – if you're going to have a special year, you're going to have to beat the other team's closer at some point. And then that's exactly what the Mets went out and did. Uh, Escobar, again, professional hitter. Uh, and this lineup is just stacked with them. And he rips that uh, single on a high fastball. And then that can at bat. He's down 0-2. The Mets are down to their last strike. Uh, seven pitches that he sees. And... and and gets a good break. I mean, he hit the ball hard, but uh, he put Arenado in a position where he had to make the play. Yeah. And I don't know. I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've seen Arenado make a mistake, not an error, just any sort of mistake. And, and that guy is probably as good as it comes out there. And, and he made the mistake. And like you said, they took advantage of it. Uh, McNeil is hot right now. Um and, uh, again, it's nice to have a good coach at third base. Joey Cora uh, gives Dom a chance. He holds Jankowski. Um, and, uh, and, and afterwards, Jeff McNeil said, you know, that's the type of game we didn't win a lot last year. And to be honest with you, it felt like a game that normally other teams are enjoying that type of success at the Mets' expense, like my entire life. <laughs> You know, and and so then Dom, he rips one, it gets off the, the bag. And again, I think we were texting on uh, on Monday that the thing that made that so incredible 
is that the Cardinals probably have the, the best corner infield defense in the league between Arenado and Goldschmidt. And that's, they, that's an, an all time corner, yeah. corner scored combo. Yeah. And they managed to get the, uh, like a break on both of those. Obviously that was not Goldschmidt's fault. Gallegos got caught watching the ball. Uh, he's late getting over to first and Dom hustles. And when things aren't going right, there's only so many things that you can control, right? Like Dom could have put his head down. That ball bounces off the bag. It should have been a hit. He could have put his head down and said, Oh, Goldschmidt, I got robbed again. Instead, he puts his head down and he hustles to first and slides in there to demonstrate to the, the umpire that he was there first. And another thing that McNeil said, his postgame interview was fantastic. He says uh, something in co- uh, like that his college baseball coach told him, don't umpire the play. So he said that coming around third, as soon as he saw Gallegos look at the umpire to, for the call, that he knew that he was going to be able to get home and he gets home and he scores that run. And then um, how about Nimmo first pitch uh, that he sees sending that out. And then that well, at, least, of- at least somebody saw the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They were uh, a little late coming back from it, but um, they bring in McFarland for that lefty lefty matchup and, and he goes yard on him. So yeah. first of the year for Nimmo, that was really good to see uh, just an awesome win. And and probably a game that I'll go back and rewatch that inning because that was so, so special. And they picked up May and there will be uh, instances, I'm sure, this year when he's going to pick up the other guys when they make mistakes. So um, and then we got even more good news after the game that DeGrom, that he's showed significant healing and that he's on track. So he can do um, some strengthening now, I think they said. Yeah, I'm not sure what that entails completely, but um, you know, ramping up. Let's let's just leave it at that. There's no throwing yet, from what I understand. But uh, but maybe lifting light weights or something like that. That's uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's still all. I just, I just thought of those old '90s in- infomercials with the little like fluorescent colored uh, oh, yeah. five pound weights. Like how lightweights are we talking about? Yeah, I- I'm thinking those. Yeah, <laughs> some better movement and. Uh, so, but that's good. You know, it's not a setback. And um, I, when he's on, that's my favorite pitcher that I think I've ever seen. And I grew up just loving Pedro, but uh, I love DeGrom and I can't wait to see him pitch again. So that, oh, I guess that gets us to Tuesday. It does bring us to Tuesday. And uh, Chris Bassett, you know, Chris Bassett was such an under the radar pickup. There were like, I would say three quarters of the fan base did not, expect what Chris Bassett brings to the table. And I'll be honest, I was probably one of them. I knew that, you know, he's, uh, you know, I don't want to say Cy Young caliber, but <laughs> he might be getting there if he keeps on having, you know, he keeps on having his way with opposing hitters. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is a guy who was in the conversation for a few years and he really seemed to find his groove, but nobody's really ever heard of him. He comes to New York and this guy just, um, He's done everything he can between on the mound, speaking to the media, just being just himself. And it reverberates at least to a, to a fan, to myself, for, yeah. for one. You can feel his passion for the game. You could feel his, his, his ups and his downs in his 
in, in, in what he gives you and in, in whatever he expresses, you can almost feel it. And, you know, I think as Mets fans, we always kind of are, are endeared to that. Uh, keep it real with us. We'll keep it real with you. And, and that's kind of the mutual respect, the, uh, the level of, of, of admiration. I think that teams and fans should have for each other, but the accountability is just amazing. And then you put the, um, the production on top of it. And, you know, he cruised again on Tuesday. He was just so impressive. Yeah. And he had uh, struggled with the giants, um, but bounced back after that, that game where he was uh, matched up against Rodon and uh, he was fantastic throwing that curveball uh, really effectively. And, and when he can make that thing dance like that, that can really be unhittable. Um, but uh to me, I know that I said last week that one thing I was really excited about was to see Hicks pitch because they had moved him <laughs> out of his bullpen role. And it was a little unfortunate they got hit in the arm uh, and then had to come out uh, the following inning. But, um, yeah, it was it was nice to see James McCann come to life. To quote uh, Green Man on Twitter, James McCann did what? Uh, <laughs> he hit uh, that really nice double and um, – and then how about uh, Mark Canna's running catch? Mark Canna does things almost every game that help you win. Again on, he did it again on Wednesday, didn't he? Ran yeah. to the corner and made a fantastic play. He's, he's, he's a gamer. And uh, both of those guys, you know, coming over from Oakland, you know, that's an organization that despite all of their constant upheaval, they're, they're pretty regularly in the mix. So uh, those guys have, have won a lot of games together him and Bassett. So it's nice to see them doing it in, uh, in blue and orange. Dude, the Oakland athletics got Jed Lowry to come out of, you know, to, to produce. <laughs> have you seen, so Jed Lowry's, have you seen his numbers with runners in scoring position? I believe it was runners in scoring position. <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, just ridiculous. I'm still not convinced that Jed Lowry exists. I, <laughs> I think that that was just like a, you know, a story, a myth that you're told as a kid. Yeah. Jed Lowry signed with the Mets. He's coming He's coming back. He's going to play. It's the double ear flaps. It keeps his face hidden, so you really can't tell if it's him or not. <laughs> but um, you know what I did notice? Out of at least the first two games, he sat in the third game. Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil took a lot of heat for, I guess, Buck or whoever makes the lineups. Um, there was a lot of hubbub there regarding Jeff McNeil in the eight hole. Jeff McNeil went two for four on Monday. Two for four on Tuesday, four for eight in, in those two games. Again, he, he sat on uh, on Wednesday. I don't know. I don't think he got a pinch hit appearance. I think that was it for him. But, you know, fire starter, spark plug, getting it done. Um, he's been terrific. And I like him down in that eight hole because it keeps things moving. Of course, the Mets didn't do a whole lot on offense for this series. But, it, it you know, it strengthened. It kept... <laughs> You know, it gives you a lot more flexibility, a lot more versatility going top to bottom and then turn it around again, uh, especially if McCann's going to give you something offensively. And I think we saw him go through spurts last year where uh, he was a, a, an extremely capable offensive player. I think it was May to June or something like that last year. But then again, fell off a cliff soon thereafter. Um, personally, I don't expect a lot from the catcher position offensively. That's just kind of a league-wide trend. Uh, once Francisco Alvarez arrives, I'm sure that's going to change. Yeah. But any, if McCann's going to give you a hot week, man, you know, that's that's a bonus. And I think behind the plate, they've both played very, very well so far. Yeah. 
essentially all you need out of the catching position, whether it's going to be Nito or McCann, is just that they're not an automatic out. Make the pitcher work. And, you know, if they're guys on base, guys at third, get them in, uh, sack fly or something like that. It just, uh, you yeah, you don't need to be a superstar because we've got enough guys that are going to be able to, to be at that all-star level, especially offensively, that, uh, that that's not what they need from them. You need them to call a good game and, uh, and keep the ball in front. Yeah, and, and you know, Nito is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Um, McCann, you know, <laughs> I don't know if we were all fooled by the by the metrics because for about a season and a half there, maybe two seasons, he was getting really good at framing, especially I guess on the uh, on the inside pitch to right-handed batters. Um, it was one of the elite in the league, I believe, on the low pitch as well. You know, last year was not the case. That wasn't the case whatsoever, but. I know early on this year and defensive metrics are a little hazy at this point in the season, but uh, you know, he's been solid. He's been, you know, average, I believe I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I believe our buddy Matt Brownstein was tweeting something this week, but uh, yeah, everyone's been on point and you know, that's, it takes a village, man. And, and with the catchers doing what they're expected to do, just doing their jobs. And like you said, being, you know, top flight defensively and give you what you can offensively it, with the rest of the team that's been assembled, it's going to work. Yeah. And, and to that end, McCann has given you what you want, right? Like he had the home run in Arizona, which is a bomb and it was ended up being very necessary because otherwise the bar show home run probably wins that game. So um, yeah, that, uh, and then he had the double um, in, in game two of this series. So, yeah, he's uh, he's been fine. Uh, I think maybe the expectations were a little high because he was coming off of a good year when he got here, and then he signed for, you know, 10 mil per. So uh, <laughs> For four years. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's been, he's been fine. But oh, yeah. what I'm going to remember from Tuesday is um, that Pete got hit in the head. And uh, he took one in the head. Starling Marte took one on the top of the shoulder. Um, yeah. I think Canna was in the elbow or at least like in the tricep tricep area. Like it's fucking dangerous stuff. Excuse my language. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and then um, we were talking about Scherzer's leadership. He's on the, that top step jawing with, uh, with Michaelis about, um, you know, uh, miles running his mouth. So it's an all time gift. Yeah. whatever you call it. That thing is amazing. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he's awesome. Um, and, he's <laughs> and I'm glad he's a Met. But um, then we get Bassett's comments. Um, and uh, he says, you know, everyone uh, that MLB has a, a very big problem with the baseballs. They're bad. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. MLB doesn't give a damn about it. They don't care. We've told them that uh, our problems with them and, and they don't care. Uh, so what did you take from that, Tim? Um, between that and then Michaelis's response that, that the pitchers need to take responsibility. What did you gather from that? Does, you know, I think we have a problem. I think Bassett gave the Cardinals pitchers and, and the rest of major league baseball, who's there have been command issues. You've been hearing it from all, all different corners. I think Bassett was given, especially in particular, the Cardinals a pass, like, yeah, you've plunked three of our guys tonight and, and 
you know, above the, let's say above the tricep, we'll, we'll, we'll draw a line there. Um, it's incredibly dangerous. I think Pete echoed those statements after the game on Wednesday, which of course we'll get into all that, but it's shocking that major league pitchers can't command as they should be able to. And, uh, you know, Bassett was pretty much giving them an excuse. Hey, the balls are really bad. Even we know the balls are bad. Um, and, and Michaelis comes out and says, oh, well, don't make excuses. You had to uh, be responsible for your actions. I, I just, I was shocked, flabbergasted. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. I still really don't. I think eating those lizards, man. I don't know if it's the same thing as licking toads, but he's tripping balls. <laughs> but wild, man. But that, and of course, that takes us into Wednesday, but uh, that's going to be a discussion in itself. So we're going to take a very quick break, uh, take a, a gander at what our, uh, our sponsors are, are saying this week, and we'll be right back. Hang tight. And we are back, Tim, Taryn, and we are going to be tearing it up. <laughs> oh, that was just ridiculous. I tried to get slick and it was really bad. Anyway, uh, Wednesday was, you could feel the intensity, especially after Michaelis' comments on Wednesday morning. You could feel it. Um, first inning, Mets came out swinging against Mats, put up four in the first, um, one for every batter that had been hit in the series. That was my um, theory. But, <laughs> I, you know, it, didn't, it really didn't matter who was on the mound for the Cardinals. You had to think that the Mets were coming out swinging after what happened on Tuesday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they really – Pounced on him in that second inning, and uh, oh, in the second, my apologies. Yeah, yeah. and and Nimmo had a uh, big hit and made that four-one, and it looked like the Mets were going to be uh, cruising to a, um, a a sweep in St. Louis, but we got some different fireworks instead. <laughs> you know, and, and you you can't count the Cardinals out. They're a very good team. They got beat two days in a row. They were. Close games for most of the games in, in, in both cases. Um, backs are against the wall. They're in a tough division, at least up against the, the Brewers, who are looking very good. Um, they, you know, you had to expect they were going to come back. And the attempt, the, like we said, the, 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 the energy was kind of up to 11. You could feel it coming into the game for a, you know, for a Wednesday afternoon game in April. It, uh, you could feel it. <laughs> it was palpable, even just watching it or just flipping around social media. Oh, yeah. Um, you knew that the Cardinals are going to come back or at least make a game out of it. Um, you expected – I was expecting a slugfest. just didn't turn out to be the slugfest we thought. Right, yeah. Our, uh, <laughs> our bats went a little bit dead after so, that uh, initial outburst and, and then theirs woke up. So Yeah, oh, it, they did. That they did. Arenado had a terrific game and then uh, took exception to Yoan Lopez. Uh, it, it wasn't even <sighs> – you had to expect that that was going to happen. Um, you know, Buck was barking. There was a five-run game at the time. Uh, Buck was barking when J.D. Davis got hit uh, on the foot. I believe x-rays were negative, but they said it was very sore on Tuesday night. So we'll see how that uh, kind of evolves. But, you know, Buck was barking. I put it up on Twitter right away. I said, I hope this doesn't get too wild. And, and lo and behold, it, it got wild. So, Yohan Lopez... I guess the baseball term would be he buzzed yeah. Nolan Arenado. Mm -hmm. A major league pitcher, which I was saying before we took the break, is supposed to have 
the command to be able to buzz a hitter if he has to. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I said something to this effect on, on Wednesday, on Thursday, you know, you want to get in the hitter's head. You don't want to dent his head. And, and I think Juan Lopez did a terrific job of keeping it safe and sending a very clear message. Nolan Arenado clearly did not feel the same way. Um, do you think he was justified in, in instigating a, a, a brawl that was a little bit more uh, feisty than a, you know, your run of the mill little benches clearing everyone talking shit. This was people were, were getting thrown to the ground. Pete Alonzo got tackled by a man named uh, stubby clap. Yeah. And I just want to PSA for our listeners. If you think you might have stubby clap, get that checked out. All right. It can fall off. If you have stubby clap, it's very dangerous. And you need it to other people. Um, yeah. He got tackled from behind. It was ridiculous. Uh, no, I, I thought Arenado was uh, throwing a, a bit of a fit, and I didn't think that it was necessarily justified. The pitch that uh, that Nimmo took up and in was far closer to hitting him in the head, and then they actually hit Pete in the head, and he ran to first. So that's what Buck said after the game, too. Uh, I, I'm not – he didn't have any comment on how Arenado chose to handle himself, but – that uh, that our guy got hit in the head and he ran to first. So um, I, had, I had a buddy tell me that it was uh, that he didn't think that the Lopez pitch was intentional. And I, I disagree with that. I, I think that the Mets wanted to stand up for themselves. They didn't necessarily want to hurt anyone, but they wanted not just the Cardinals, but everyone to know that they didn't want to be hit anymore. And, and I think that that's like a reasonable thing um, that, look, if, if you're going to throw up and in, and the Mets do, they're right-handed batters. There's great article by, uh, by Brent Garoli and, um, and Eno Saris on The Athletic about uh, how the Mets right-handed batters do f- face more inside pitches than, uh, than the league median. So the league median being around 36%. And the Mets about 40% of the time their uh, their hitters are, are being pitched inside. So uh, that's something. And, uh, and I don't necessarily think that it was all about the Cardinals, you know, like the Cardinals were the team that the Mets were facing, but it's just been that 19 hit by pitches through 20 games. And then also in the last few years, I think uh, Tacoma had it that, if you look at modern history, the teams that have been hit by pitches most, like the last few years, Mets uh, have are, are all on that list of the top twenty. Oh wait, I could pull up actually a, a yeah. cumulative total. Give me one second. Yeah, I'm going to go back to 2019. So t- from 2019 through what we have so far this season, the Mets have been hit 16 more times. Uh, the most in the league, 253, 16 more times in the Cubs in second place, 237. Yeah. And, and, and the Mets are so far beyond the standard deviation. Like there are odd outliers, like the Pirates have not hit by, been hit by a single pitch this year. Yeah. But the Mets at 19, you know, they're, they're understandably angry. But to Bassett's point, this is an MLB issue because – over the last five years, and this is also in this article, uh, which I encourage everyone to read, 
um, the number of hit by pitches has been trending upwards and it's typically higher in April because, uh, your hands are colder. It's harder to get a grip on the ball. Um, I think that there's a lack of consistency because baseball has been messing with the ball so much. We know that in 2019, they probably juiced it, made it fly farther. Now they're using these humidors in, in every stadium and the balls are supposed to be in the humidors for two weeks before they're being used. But Bassett says that there's no consistency from start to start. So what we need, and, and I think it's in baseball's best interest, is to have some sort of consistent pre-tacked ball. They're not messing with the inner layers and making them drag more, whatever, flattening the seams, whatever changes that they've made over the last few years. You just need a consistent ball because that is what is important for the spirit of competition. And now that they're getting so cozy with betting sites, they've got to be consistent for that purpose as well. So I, I think that it is an issue and, um, and we need like more uh, restrictions and regulations upon how the ball is done. It, that should be clearly defined in a working group between the players and uh, the, the league. Well, and the conflict of interest that exists between the league and the league owning Rawlings, the producer of the baseball, uh, that, that can't be understated. The, 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 of course, the, the properties of the ball, um, you know, uh, Dr. Meredith Wills, uh, Bradford, William Davis, who of course put together a terrific, terrific write-up last year, uh, regarding that was at insider, um, regarding baseball MLB's usage of two separate baseballs last year. This year, of course, I believe I want to say the athletic confirmed uh, this past week that at, per MLB, they're only using the the quote unquote dead end ball that they expected to that they, they expected would reduce an average of three feet off of well struck fly balls. Uh, clearly, that hasn't been the case where we're seeing every day we're seeing metrics that generally result in home runs, uh, whether it be launch angle, exit velocity, expected batting average. They're just, they're not, they're not falling. They're falling 10, 15, 20, 30 feet shy of the, of the fence in perfect conditions. And, you know, even in, you know, not good conditions, ball comes off the bat at 105 miles an hour at 26 degrees. It's supposed to go out. It, it's that's just that's just physics. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, an expert in science like that. But, you know, that's just we've seen it happen for 150 years. That's just how it works. Well, 150 minus the dead bull hour, which feels like Manfred's shooting for again. But I, I have a more sinister theory and it's just a theory. I'm not sticking to this, but we've heard Pete Alonzo talk about um, MLB pink, tinkering with the balls to affect free agencies, oppress salaries. MLB using a deadened ball for let's say the first month of the season guys end up with let's say 35 40 home runs as opposed to 45 50 home runs in the big picture that's going to save teams a lot of money right yeah I, I, I think so and I don't think that what Pete said was incorrect uh, in the past he also probably benefited from it because he had the, the record-setting home run year with the juice balls in 2019. But I, I think he acknowledges that 
as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what the, the right answer is. Uh, they interviewed one executive anonymously in this article and, uh, and said that just because it's a dead ball now doesn't mean the juice ball was the way to go. So, uh, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that there's probably somewhere in the middle that this ball could be, um, but there, again, there's no consistency. So how would you know? Kind of what you were saying about the, the, the I guess the international ball that they were using at the Olympics last year, um, that got such rave reviews. Yeah. It's pre-tacked, um, the consistency, I believe. I want to say it was Joe Ryan, who at the time was with Tampa Bay or maybe had just gotten traded to the Twins, but he's, yeah. he's doing really, really well with the Twins now. Um, raving, absolutely raving about the balls they used. <sighs> SSK, if I'm wrong on the brand, I apologize. I believe that's the brand who, who makes the balls um, uh, in the KBO. Again, I should, I, should have, I should have done my homework. I didn't. But, you know, if you're a listener of the show, you know this. Sometimes they just come unprepared. <laughs> um, but the pre-tacked balls, the consistency and the dynamics and the properties of the ball when struck, you know, Manfred and his his cohorts playing mad scientists to get it just right. You know, that's doing more damage to the game than a fucking ghost runner. You know, it's just, you know, at that point, you, you're just pulling strings. You know, baseball's worked just fine for a century and a half. There's no reason to, to try and make it better. You know, you have to, you know, the the handmade aspect, of course, is one thing. Um the there's a historical traditional thing to it. They've already kind of moved away from the mud. I guess they do the mud still, but it's not the same process. Or I, I don't I don't know. Just give us a regular freaking baseball that flies off the bat when you hit it hard. That's all. And, and I think that that's the frustration that that the players are feeling. And and again, you're seeing inconsistency in how they're reacting to it. Like guys like Michaelis are saying, you know, the ball is fine. Take some personal responsibility for it. Uh, Gibson is saying, uh, Kyle Gibson, who we'll see on Saturday, uh, he's saying that he likes the ball. Um, but then, oh, he's just setting up to plunk Mets hitters. Oh, no, <laughs> but but Bassett is saying what he said, and then James McCann said that you know, whatever it is, it's 2022, and you you have the technology, you have to have the technology to figure out the best baseball. Uh, rather than talking about, you know, juice balls, dead balls, slick balls, sticky balls. It's just too much talk about balls. Karen, Karen, this is a family show, man. I know. And and (laughs) I think that our Manfred and Co. like, okay, now you get past the the lockout, which you got hammered for. uh, You finally have baseball. We can watch it. But now we're stuck on talking about the balls again. And it's been this way for like the last few years. So – there just needs to be the consistency overall. And, and one good thing I think that came out of the lockout is that they agreed to have that working group that would talk about rules. Well, this is the perfect thing for that type of committee to talk about is like, what do, what are the ideal properties of the ball? And here are like a few different ones and we'll show you, uh, we'll, we'll run them through the Atlantic League or whatever, and we can show you with a little bit of data, like how each one reacts. That seems like the best 
thing to do, especially I mean, because they're existing um, baseballs that you brought up both in, in the, in the KBO, the Korean league and the MPB that are pre-tacked. This has to be figured out. I'm exhausted talking about this. And, uh, and, and, and I think the players are feeling that frustration also. I, I don't want to be thinking about the ball when I'm thinking about like, oh, wow, like Joe Ryan is pitching so well, or wow, uh, you know, Pete Alonso has really gotten hot. He's hitting like dozens of home runs. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I am at uh, on this. And, and, and I hope that they'll at least address it. I know that, the, that as far as hit by pitches go, um, there's some other reasons that are being talked about that uh, like stuff, the, the quantification of stuff is, uh, is like stickier, more consistent than, um, than command on a year-to-year basis. That's one thing that's brought up. The focus on velocity over command, basically promoting – throwers instead of like a, a pitcher like Scherzer like sure yeah so I think that those are those are other factors that are at play and um I, I just I, I really want it to be figured out soon absolutely I mean look you, you look at the Mets they've been hit by more pitches than they've hit home runs yeah and you know like like you said the Mets have been hit by 19 their pitchers have only hit seven so, I mean, it's not like it's – maybe it, – it, let's take it back to Michaelis. Take, you know, responsibility for your actions. If you're a team like the Phillies who have hit 15 players this season, leading the majors, um, and Kyle Gibson's out there saying that he likes the ball, well, maybe that's a little concerning. Like, um, you know, I, I think at least over the first eighth of the season, um, the Mets have made it clear that they're going to be a, a – contending ball club or you know if not even more it looks like they could run away with things at least in the east if it stays like this but you know you piss off a lot of people when you're good at what you do man it's just that's just a, the way of the world and um i'm concerned that other teams are setting a precedent here like oh you want to cool down the mets bats get in their heads hit them a few times that's you know how many runs the Mets score this series i, I got it here Eight. 13. Oh, yeah, that's right. They put up five on in the second game. 13. They've really they've put up five a bunch of times this year, which is very, very nice to see. But, um, you know, those couple of those times, I guess Monday, those runs didn't come till late. Uh, Tuesday really wasn't much to, uh, to speak about offensively, a little bit here and there. But, of course, Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, four early, one late. You know, it, compared to the juggernaut that we saw developing over the first few weeks of the season, first couple of weeks of the season, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. It's just natural. And you just, I just hope that other teams don't see the Mets get, you know, a little taken aback by getting plunked and, uh, and think that it's, you know, okay to try that too. And I hope, you know, it doesn't turn into a, a 1986 thing where the Mets are fighting the team every, every two months. Right. Uh, well, don't get me wrong. wrong. A, a, a little, a little tussle isn't so bad. You just don't want to see people get hurt, bro. Like Pete Alonso getting pulled down by the neck by Cabrera. No, that could have been really dangerous. Forget about the fifty-year-old coach who was tackling people. Um, you know, 
that could have really hurt someone. I think, uh, I wish I had the name. I don't have it. There was a big brawl in Binghamton this week. Binghamton was playing Portland, or I guess in Portland. And uh, one of the Mets prospects tore to ACL during the brawl. Like, just, it's unfortunate. But, like, I guess, like you said, like Buck said, the Mets are going to stand up for themselves. It's not going to sit there and, you know, sit there and take it. Uh, you can go for revenge on the scoreboard. And I think Buck made it clear he's not going to hit guys. But I think Yohan Lopez made it very clear we're going to scare the shit out of him if we have to. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, the Mets will have their opportunity to uh, voice their uh, displeasure. Um, MLB's executive vice president of baseball ops, Morgan Sword, is going to be at City Field on Friday. Uh, they're going to meet with the Mets and hear out their concerns. So, I'm not sure anything will come of that. I'm not sure what could come of that, but at least MLB is going to hear about these issues directly from the players. I'm sure that they can't like the things that they've heard so far and uh, definitely don't like those things being batted about in the media. So um, yeah, I, I guess we put a pin in it for now and we'll see uh, what comes from it. Yeah. And you hope, you know, things get back to normal, both on the, um, <laughs> command side and and we'd like to see uh, home runs that should go over the fence actually go over the fence uh taryn we are going to incorporate our new um our new little segment into the week what do we have mets mets of the moment yeah met of the moment yeah i was thinking uh we'll we can each say one or two guys and um then we can go on our twitter page and we'll uh put up a poll uh to go along with the episode and uh the listeners can let us know who they think uh, the Met of the Moment is. All right. And you guys know where to follow us. It's at Simply Amazing Pod on Twitter. I unfortunately do not have any other social media besides Twitter, but uh, I'm working on that. I don't know if, I don't know how productive a, an Instagram for a podcast would be, but we're exploring. <laughs> we're going to see what's going on. Um, Taryn, who do you like on the offensive side this week? Because we had some, some very strong performers. Yeah, um, I think I'll go McNeil. He was uh, consistent. Uh, both uh, Alonzo's been dipping a little bit this week, and uh, Lindor isn't as hot this week as he was last week. So um, to have uh, McNeil pick it up this week, I I'll go with him. He's been excellent. You know, I'm very, very tempted to combine James McCann, Luis Guillorme, and Tomas Nito as the 2022 bench mob. And I think maybe we should include them in, in the, uh, in the, in the poll, maybe as sure. one, just like a monster selection. I'm going to sure. go with Mark Canna. Mark Canna was four for nine in the St. Louis series. Um, you know, we still haven't seen a ton of power. It was four singles also took two walks. Uh, of course we saw him fight back from that. Oh, and two on, on Monday, uh, which was very impressive took a pitch off the elbow and took first base as a, as a Met should. And um, yeah, I think honorable mention also should be uh, in order for Eduardo Escobar, Pete Alonso, both had decent weeks, three, uh, four for 11 on Escobar and three for 10 on Pete. Uh, of course you could talk about power. You could even look at Brandon Nimmo. I mean, the average has been down, but he's still drawing walks. He's still four RBIs with only two hits in the series. That's impressive. Absolutely. Even though uh, RBIs are a bullshit stat, but still, 
driving in runs on a game-to-game basis, that's important. I don't care if a guy breaks 100 RBI at the end of the year. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Give me 100 I mean, runs. Give me 100 runs scored. Now you got my fucking attention. Excuse me. I'm, I'm like a sailor today. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> on the pitching side, I'll well, go. My mom a rider don't mind. If, if, if Taryn, if your mom's listening, I apologize. <laughs> Uh, well, on the pitching side, I'm going to go with Scherzer. Um, the last two starts, so he, he had uh, uh, San Francisco and then at St. Louis, back home in St. Louis. Last two starts, he's got 20 strikeouts in 14 innings. That's awesome. Uh, he's only given up three hits, and he's got the four walks. So um, last two starts have been phenomenal, over 100 pitches both times, uh, preventing the, the bullpen from being taxed. And just a leader. He, he is uh, such a joy to watch pitch, and I can't wait until it's him and DeGrom on back-to-back days. Oh, my goodness. And then my guy is going to be right behind him. You got Chris Bassett, the Bassett Hound, who's actually a, a bulldog, and, and it's awesome. It's, I think that – I mean, you can go right down the list. And Peterson, what he's been able to do, where he fits in after – the rotation is full again or full capacity should be interesting. I think we saw a kind of spot for him as a long man uh, on Carrasco's tough start, which we didn't even really talk about Carrasco's tough start, but you know, with what he's put together, you kind of always feel like he's just an adjustment away anyway, but um, yeah, Chris Bassett, Chris Bassett is my guy. He's what do we got here? This is just full season. I'm curious to see what his hard hit percentage is at because it, it seems like he's getting touched up at times, but nothing too crazy. Batted ball. Come on, Fangraphs. Shout out to Fangraphs for giving me these outstanding leaderboards I like to you know, mess around with from time to time. Hard hit. Chris Bassett, sub 30%. You love to see that. Who is this? Tyler McGill, 23.4% hard hit rate. He, he of course, goes on uh, on Friday against uh, Aaron Nola and the Phillies. But I, I was almost – I was really about to pick up Tyler, but um, with the, the St. Louis series and the performance on the field, the words off the field, yeah, Chris Bassett's my guy. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, do you want to shed a little light on what we got coming up in Philly? Yeah, uh, big series coming up. Uh, Phillies are coming to to Queens and uh, got Aaron Nola against McGill on Friday. Uh, That one's going to be on SNY. And then uh, the return of Taiwan Walker. I'm excited for that. Uh, That, again, just another piece in the rotation that uh, when he's on, as he was in the first half last year, uh, all-star level pitcher. And, again, you can never have enough pitching so uh on saturday night we got him uh, against uh kyle gibson who loves the new ball and uh <laughs> then on sunday night baseball uh we've got francisco lindor is going to be mic'd up and again we've got scherzer uh against uh zach efflin um efflin hasn't been bad this year yeah he's been uh solid era under four and uh, him and pavetta I, I always thought that they were like the same guy and he's doing pretty much the same thing for Boston. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it should be a, a fun series and uh, hopefully the Mets can make it seven series in a row. 
that would be nice uh, against this offense. It's not going to be easy, man. You got a very productive boy. I mean, I know the Phillies are pretty much all or nothing when it comes to how they built their team. They got a nice rotation, especially if Gibson is who he looks like he is between Wheeler, Gibson and Nola. That's a very, very nice starting three. Um, yeah, it's not quite your uh, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett once everyone's back, but that, that'll stand up if they get that far. But you look at their their offense and oh my goodness i mean harper's uh having a, a harper year he's 274 uh 850 850 on the nose ops i'm doing math really slow in my head yeah 850 on the nose castellanos 329 392 529 alec bohm who fucking hates this place <laughs> uh 333 385 452 Really, I mean, it doesn't matter if his glove doesn't play. If he's hitting, he's going to get bats, especially with the the, uh, the DH. Real Muto. Can you imagine if the Mets didn't sign McCann and they got Real Muto and he was on this team? Yeah, Would have been, been nice. He's hitting 303. 343 on base, 409 slugging. Just incredible. Gene Segura is still hitting 260-ish. Reese yeah, Austin is really struggling. Oh, him and Schwarber, him and Schwarber having a really tough time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They even haven't even really gotten the production out of Schwarber or like what we've come to expect from Bryce so far. Yeah, I think Bryce, he's been heating up. Um, I want to say it was a slow start. Yeah. But uh, I, I want to say he had a triple today. Maybe it was, it was either Thursday or, or Wednesday. But yeah. Um, I don't know if the elbow is bothering him. I, they're saying that he has a, a sprain in his elbow, which, as we learned last year with Jacob DeGrom, a sprain is just a, a slight tear. Um, you got to wonder whether he's battling a Tommy John-type injury because he can't play the field. He said he can't. They, can't, they won't let him play the field. But he, uh, he, he can hit swing the bat. And I've seen him go the other way. And uh, it's not that usual price, you know, let me send it 430 feet the other way. Um, that could also just be the ball. So maybe he is unaffected by his, I, while he swings. But, yeah, I'm still enamored by Bryce Harper. He's one of my, I know he's been in the NL East, you know, forever and probably will be. And uh, I don't care. He's one of my favorite players in the league. He's so fun to watch when he's right. Same thing with Stanton. I don't care if he's a Yankee. Just I could watch him hit all day. Yeah, both great players. And, and Bryce – um. Yeah, he's already got thirty balls that he's hit over ninety-five miles an hour this year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it's the ball that's keeping him in the park. <laughs> my goodness! Yeah, so it's a good series uh, coming up, and then um, we'll uh, we'll be back to recap it, and then we'll uh, get to talk about the Atlanta series, the defending world champions. Unfortunately, coming to town. Yeah. Oh, they're scuffling, man. They haven't been um what you would call sharp <laughs> eight yeah. and 11. I think they're facing the Cubs uh, after we record tonight. And uh, yeah, you got to wonder what's, what's happening down there. I think maybe you got to wonder if Freddie Freeman's leadership is, uh, is missed in that clubhouse. Well, uh, I'll tell you what has been mess- missing has been Acuna and he's back. So he is uh, back and Albies has been a freaking beast. You put them two together. That's a, that's a, oh, that's a contender, man. Yeah, and they've got Kyle Wright going tonight, who's been pretty good so far um, uh, about what they uh, were hoping for 
when they drafted him in the top five a couple years Ooh, ago. Bryce Wilson too, right? He's still there. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I want to say he. I know he had a good start. I, he's still with Atlanta, but uh, I don't know if he's still with Atlanta. I should say, but I did see he had a really nice start. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully recapping, like you said, another series win. Yeah, and um. Yeah, maybe we'll grab a guest or something. Who knows? We, we, we fly by the seat of our pants here. You're going to learn that fast, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get into it. All right, guys. Um, you know where to find us, and we appreciate your patronage and, and attention as always and all those clicks and all those listens. It's all, uh, it's all good. You guys know the sign-off, so let's fucking go Mets, and we'll see you next time. Peace.